crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths. We are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say too literally. We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at each, each other! other. <laughs> there are people in my kitchen, so sorry if you hear people. Anyway, there are people in the backyard. There's a helicopter here yelling. There's a lot of background noise. We're going to try and deal with it. I will edit around it. <laughs> Listen, if you hear about some dude's bad fashion choices through a helicopter, it's not my fault. <laughs> it's just what's happening around me right now. Wow. It's so rude that they just yell it above and I mean, everyone. it's really rude. <laughs> I mean, that's his personal decision if he wants to wear black baggy pants and a <laughs> v-neck with... black shoes with white. <laughs> he was wearing a v-neck, yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Anyway. And then it's like, well, wouldn't he have changed by now? Like, they're yelling it all over the neighborhood. <laughs> he's probably in a different outfit. Don't you think that under those baggy pants, he's got, like, at least three different pairs of pants to, like... I mean, that's where you, why you wear the baggy pants, right? Well, yeah. Costume I mean, change instantly. Right. You have sm- progressively smaller pants as they get to you. Yeah. You get the tearaway, like the stripper yeah. pants. <laughs> or the exotic dancer pants. Oh. Or basketball pants or whatever. What are those? Those yeah. warm ups. What were those called? Warm ups. Jog ups. I don't know. We're not joggers? sports. Joggers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Something about ripping. What is a jogger? Are they sweatpants? I don't know. It's like British, isn't it? I think we talked about know. this before. I don't know. And apparently, oh. did you know those shoes that you you put on? Remember, like when the Adidas were really big and they they had like the fat yeah. strap over the top. Yeah. Did you know those are called slides? Slides? I thought slides. People call them slides. I thought sli- I thought slides were like. I don't know what I thought slides were. I've never even. Okay. I thought they were just like slip-ons, but then I heard slides one time, and I keep hearing it now. People call them slides. Huh. Yeah. Rad slides. Do they still say rad? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. God damn. I don't it. think so. They'd say, like, lit slides, man. Oh, I'm going to yeet those lit slides or something like that. <laughs> did it Did it sound cool? <laughs> yeah, I think that sound, I think that means you're going to throw them or something, doesn't it? Dude. When I, was, I don't know. When I was teaching the class, the art class, the, sometimes the kids, because they could, like, change their name on, like, the display for oh, their God. Zoom. And, like, you, uh-huh. like, at first it was, like, whatever, and then, like, one kid would, like, change it to something, and then this one class was just being so silly, so, like... I was like, you know, because they, they made like a silly name or whatever. And I was like, if you if you put that as your name, I'm going to call you that. So then like, so then I ca- started calling <laughs> oh, them no. these names. But then like, then they started putting things like I poo poo a hundred thousand times course. a day. And so then I was like, all right, I poop a hundred thousand times a day. Can you show me your drawing? And then they'd be like, you just said you poop. <laughs> And you're like laughing too. <laughs> yeah. Like, God damn it. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> Dude, I like one kid was super. Did I tell you one kid was like super into magic tricks? And then he would be like, Can I? No. He'd be like, Can I show you a magic trick? So then I'd be like, Sure. <gasps> like, then I don't have to teach yeah. for five minutes while you do a magic trick. <laughs> Entertain us all, please. Yeah. 
Okay, let's get started. Welcome, Welcome to another, another episode of Criminy. Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> We're so good. We're so good. Uh, we are professionals. Pro-fesh. Huh, Mom, you saw how hard it was to be a professional oh podcaster. <laughs> Her stack of paper notes was like the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> I loved it so uh, much. It was great. I love that also, she printed them. Also, do you remember the old printers where you had to like rip the pages apart? Yeah. And then it had like the circle those. things on the side? Yeah. Yeah. And you, ma- you would make the little twisty chain? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, anyway. Uh, mm. We're your hosts. We're your hosts. Not in the biblical sense. We are not your <laughs> Jesus body host. Not we the are cardboard your- crackers. <laughs> No, we are not your cardboard crackers. <laughs> we are your hosts, Matt and Angela. And we want to thank Mom for joining us last week. That was we had so fun. fun. That was great. Love you, Mom. Hope you enjoyed an extended episode. It actually wasn't that long, was it? Well, I did have to. You worked hard. <laughs> edit that down yeah way down worked hard this week are you ready for my story i don't know because your stories are always horrible (laughs) all right i got this information from places i usually do such as all things interesting murderpedia wikipedia history 101 and and the vintage (gasps) news.com That sounds cool. It is cool. Oh. Um, I'm going to tell you the story of Christine and Leia Pappin. Pappin? Poppin. Pap Poppin. Is it an A? Yeah. P- A-U. P-A-P-I-N. Oh, Pappin. Pappin. Okay. I'm telling you this story because it's a delightful <laughs> story about two oh, no. <laughs> siblings who just care about each other so much. And I just oh. thought, like, it really reminded me of us. Oh. <laughs> I know I'm going to regret that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Okay. 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 Born in Le Mans, France. To oh, international again. <laughs> I am just a jet this is like setter. Your thing. <laughs> well, not anymore. We're never going to be allowed in European countries ever again. At least we did it before. <laughs> <laughs> so worth it. So worth it. So, born in Le Mans, France, to Clemence Derry and Gustave Papin. Papin. Um. Oh, it's probably like. Papin. 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 Um, so born, they were born, uh, Christine was born on March 8th, 1905, and Leia was born September 15th, 1911. Wow. Old school. So I'm going to go a little bit back before they were born. So it was, mm-hmm. it was rumored that around 1901, Clemence, the mother, was having an affair with her employer <gasps> Ooh. while pregnant with her first daughter, Amelia. She was having an affair as a pregnant woman? Yeah. Damn. <coughs> what? 
Get it, girl. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. In an effort to break up the affair, Gustav tried to have the family move to another town. He got a job in another town and was like, okay, we're going. And then she was like, Aww. no. She basically <gasps> told him she would rather die than leave. Uh-oh. So, naturally, the marriage began deteriorating, and Gustav began drinking heavily. When You, you mean that didn't strengthen their relationship? <laughs> well, it, you know, they tried. They thought maybe, like, if, I, if I'm not thinking anymore, then... That's right. Yeah, if, I if I drink, numb all just, my senses. It'll be fine. Memories and wishes and dreams and... When Amelia, the first when so Amelia was born, mm-hmm. when she was about nine or ten, Clements sent her to the Bon Pasteur Catholic Orphanage. Uh, what? what? Right? <gasps> you thought school. She I said orphanage. Yeah, you did. You really <laughs> threw a wrench in that one. What? Where? Which is nine or ten? Yep. Where it was discovered that Gustave had molested her. Uh, possibly raped her. Oh, no. Amelia later joined the convent and became a nun. Okay, so this woman gave her 9 or 10-year-old child up for adoption as opposed to just, like, leaving the dude? Yep. Uh. Uh, well, I don't think that she really wanted to have kids either. Okay, not okay. (laughs) Okay, so... So, Christine, she's born, 1905. Mm-hmm. Their second she, child. Yes. She, Why are they having another child? Well, she was immediately given to her paternal aunt and uncle. Oh, my God. Okay. And she lived somewhat happily with them for seven years before uh-huh. entering uh-huh. the Catholic orphanage. No! Why are they holding on to them for so long and then just, like, totally disrupting their lives? I don't know. So it seemed like the mom was like in and out of their lives. Uh, obviously, like not in a she didn't actually like take care of them or something, but it seemed like she like popped mm-hmm. in and out of their lives often. Mm-hmm. And then like she made the decision like because, you know, the paternal aunt and uncle aren't like they didn't adopt her. I don't think so. Like, what the hell? She so she's control. like, oh, you've she's been taking like, care of this kid. Now it's time to give it up. You go. You go. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> um, uh, this is already so fucked up. <laughs> At the Catholic orphanage, she too received the calling to become a nun. But. I mean, what other calling are you going to receive at a Catholic orphanage? <laughs> but Clements forbade this. What the hell? Because she was like, like. Leave them alone. She was like, well, you're old enough to start working, so you could make money. So she placed her in employment. Time out. The mother who gave them up. Now wants them back because they're old enough to work. Yeah, um, so like once once again, I'm not exactly sure how exactly the orphanages have. It seemed mm-hmm. like a place you could just drop them off, pick them up when you wanted. For a few years, you just decide. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent clear on that. They start acting up. You just drop them off, pick yep, them up pick when them they're up, done. Whatever. Yep. A couple years later, maybe something like that. What the hell? Okay. Um. And when she was placed in employment, she was described as a hard worker, a good cook, and but could be insubordinate at times. The child? The child worker. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven forbid a child be insubordinate at times. Yeah. And, like, mm. she went, you know, to, like, house... 
like maid work and stuff and mm-hmm. ha- house man whatever house management or whatever yeah. um and then so during this time before before she was given to the the orphanage and mm-hmm. she's living with her aunt and uncle leia was born oh god she was also given to her maternal uncle um with whom she remained until he died, and then she was sent to the Catholic orphanage at the age of fifteen. Oh my God! Or sorry, uh, she was she was taken to the Catholic orphanage, and then until the age of fifteen, when she could be employed. Oh my God! So old maid. So the mom's like, raise my children mm-hmm. until I can have them work and earn me money. Right. Okay. I told you, okay. she didn't want to be, a, she didn't seem like she wanted to be a mom. She didn't want to be a mom, but she wanted to, like, run her own business. Yes, yes. She yes. was actually giving birth to employees. An entrepreneur. Yes, she's just creating mm-hmm. her whole workforce. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way to, that's the way to do it. And you stick them in the orphanage so they get disciplined and. Right, the Catholic orphanage will really get well, them Well, and also, you know, you don't want them to attach as a mother because you're going to be their boss. Right, and you don't want them to see, like, your weaknesses and, And Yeah, it's a conflict of interest, really. That's right, that's right. (laughs) You don't want to show favoritism. Right. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) nepotism is not a good look. (laughs) It's not cute. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Leia was described as quiet and introverted, but obedient. Yeah, of course. She was raised by, like, nuns. And she was considered less intelligent than Christine. Okay, who's comparing? <laughs> Apparently, from everyone that had interactions with them, she... And maybe she just wasn't... Maybe it wasn't that she wasn't intelligent, but she was so shy. She's quiet? Yeah. Yeah. Could yeah. be. Could be. But uh, that's what all the sources say. <laughs> okay. Uh, in their time before the orphanages... The orphanage, when the parents did decide to be involved in some way... Their time was cluttered with chaotic arguments, attempted molestation, and and other forms of physical and verbal abuse. So way better that they were raised in an orphanage. Right. Well, except for the orphanage is probably pretty I mean, it's probably all, it's just all bad. They had a bad. sounds all bad. They had a bad time. (laughs) Well, hopefully the aunt and uncle weren't that bad, maybe. Well, I don't know. There wasn't, they didn't say much about it. Well, they didn't live there very long, did they? Yeah. Um, and this is, so this is the part where I get confused because, so it said that, you know, they went to the orphanage and then they were sent to work. But then it also said that uh, at one point, like when, when Gustav and, and Celeste, when they got divorced, the girls were sent to a mental institution to recover from the divorce what the hell and that had affected them both greatly and during the the two younger girls yeah yeah okay and during that time they like really bonded and they were like inseparable and it's Mm. and some people said like even though they were rarely seen like talking to each other Mm -hmm. they seemed to like communicate still telepathic something like that what? or they were just like okay, so wait, wait. so bonded that they only knew what each other were thinking right it's that twin think thing six years um, one of them six years older than the other but they're still twins you're right oh shit 
where the hell did my mind just go? <laughs> I, like, created this whole different backstory than the one you just told me, like, seconds ago. Well, my backstory is a little convoluted since it's, or it's kind of all over the place right now. <laughs> no, I did have a question, though. Yeah. Does it say when the parents got divorced? Um, no, I couldn't find a date, so that's why it was, okay. like, they, from the time that one of the, the older, the middle one... Yeah. By the time she was seven, she went to the orphanage. Right. And the other one is six years behind her, but I don't think she was sent right away. I don't know. Right. There was some... And it sounds like they were maybe taken in and out of the orphanage. Yeah, and the parents were popping in and out and being weirdos. And I just feel like the divorce maybe wasn't the reason why they went to the... institution maybe it's because they were like abused yeah i mean that's probably that's (laughs) the divorce was probably the best thing to happen (laughs) i mean should have happened uh when the mom was having an affair probably Mm -hmm. so all right so the a little bit in the future you know they're they're out of their orphanage they're out of the institution they're working having their they're working women yep working women Mm -hmm. okay okay in 1926, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Christine and Leah scored a dream position Ooh. as live-in maids at in a Le Mans house. I was going to say, what is a dream position in 1926? I mean, you know, if you can be a live-in maid, that means you're living, like, at least in a mansion or a house. They're probably living in, like, the shittiest tiny room. <laughs> like, well, that, a little. but maybe, you know... Your room is insulated. Yeah, maybe. If you're lucky. If you're lucky, and maybe you can eat some leftovers. I don't know. Maybe you can steal some scraps from the (laughs) food, from the dinners. From what it seems like, it was very a very good thing for them to get. Okay, I'm not gonna judge. It was was a dream job. It was stable employment. Yeah, probably in like a safe household. And since they don't really like to talk to other people, if they're just maids there, they can like, you know, do the behind the scenes. Yeah. Keep to themselves. And they always tried to get employed together. And it seemed like they were a lot of the time. Well, they probably didn't trust anyone. Right. But I mean, it's kind of hard to get employed together. Usually people are like, no, we just, we just need one. And you're like, no, we come as a pair. And they're like, no, no. Look, let's try it. Okay. You said we're just like them. Yes. Let's go to all of the we job are, interviews together. Don't you feel, don't you feel like them right now after going to the Catholic yeah, orphanage? Totally. And, um, yeah. And that's my <laughs> and dream getting, job. So and getting our dream position. Yeah. Basically so, the same. Renee and Leonie Lancelin, along with their, Adult daughter Genevieve were the employers. Rich at this house. bitches. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rich bitches. Rene was a retired lawyer and he had purchased mm. a gorgeous two story townhouse. <laughs> <laughs> that Tell me all about maids. it. That's as much oh. as you're going to get to know. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Although it was a job, their residency at with the Lancelins guaranteed a stable household without the threat of being sent to an orphanage or random relative. That's literally what I said, isn't it? They had like a stable <laughs> yeah. household. Or maybe I said a safe household. Same difference. They were well fed, clothed, housed, mm-hmm. and paid. Mm-hmm. Additionally... 
Yeah, see? Dream job. Yeah. <laughs> Additionally, they the help that they provided to the Lancelins was top-notch, as they were exceptional workers. Good. That Catholic nunnery taught them well. The girls reportedly... Orphanage. The girls reportedly were supposed to work 14 hours a day. Fuck, what? With only half a day off each week. God damn it. (laughs) No. Fuck Now what? (laughs) See, this is why we need labor laws, because people would be so abused if not. Interesting. Uh oh. This was seen as normal for house servants during yeah, that no, time. Yeah, no, thank you. Fuck that. And they were at the Lancelin's disposal for most of the day. So they Can just... you imagine you get one half day? Mm-hmm. One half day to live your life. Mm-hmm. But you don't have a life. You're uh, already you live there. No. Your life is yeah. to That's take it. care of these other like, people. You don't get a home of your own. You nope. don't get and that's a dream job. Like, yep. Fuck. Okay. Still, the girls kept to themselves, silent as always, doing their job with humility and respect. Okay, wouldn't that be kind of creepy, though? You have, like, two people living in your house, and they just, like, don't say anything ever. And they're just kind of, like, you know, creeping around. <laughs> but that's what you want. You don't want them to talk to you. Do you? Well, not me. I mean... I'm saying that's what they wanted. That was the thing. Like, they just want their stuff to be done. They want it presented. They don't want to have to deal with the people. This is so unnerving. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the girls showed no interest whatsoever in the outside world and only spent time with each other. Well, I guess this is a good job for them, then. Yeah. And um, as a point to what you were just saying, uh-huh. in the Lancelin household, the sisters had an atypical relationship with their employers. Neither of the women, mm. ha- neither of the women, had ever spoken to Renee Lancelin the entire seven years they worked there. Oh my God! And the sisters were given orders by his wife, and even then, she only communicated through written directions. Oh my god, so there's like not, no one's talking to these, mm-hmm. and they're not talking, wow, wow, and seven years, they're like, this is fine, this is totally fine, we have two like strangers living in our house that we're not even communicating with. Yeah. I mean, like, I get it from their point, like, the major man in their life was their dad who just like molested them whatever why would you want to have interaction with like another you know head of a household kind of like father figure he might do the same mm-hmm. and they're like raised in an orphanage where it's probably all nuns and like mm. females and the nuns were probably only the one they were probably like communicating with them with like through orders and writing and you know like they're probably used to that right i didn't think about that yeah it's probably, probably safer yeah um but Leone was a, a woman that demanded perfection. And oh, she good. <laughs> routinely performed the white glove test. No, uh, what a bitch. Yep. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh. You've been working no. 14 hours cleaning no. someone else's shit. No. And then some, seven days a week. And then a woman no. who doesn't even speak to you just comes by mm-hmm. with a white glove, dusts, and, and then a shows you. And a passive aggressive note yeah. that's like, this isn't clean enough. <laughs> okay, wait. So a half day on whatever day they have their like half day off, a half day would be seven hours. Mm-hmm, seven hours. 
they get seven hours to themselves. Right. So they work, they work basically a full shift of like today's world, almost yeah. a full shift. Yeah. And then they off. get their, On their seven- half day off. Yep. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> and then they have like a real awful family to work for. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is all fine and normal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some years after Christine and Leia started working for the family, Madame Leone developed depression and the girls became the target of her mental illness. Oh, God. Um, one source said that the abuse had gotten to the point where she had at one point slammed the girls' heads against the wall. Oh, my God. Okay, so. Is this depression? I don't, it's, that's what they said, but I'm like, this seems like. It seems. Something's going on. Something <laughs> <laughs> seems like something else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so, on the night of February 2nd, 1933, this is seven years after working, starting working for them. Mm-hmm. After a shopping trip, uh, Leone, Madame Leone and Genevieve returned. They were supposed to go to the home of Leone's brother's house to eat dinner with the husband, Rene. But mm-hmm. they decided to come home first, um, and then they were going to go meet him. The girls? The, the mom and the daughter. Oh, okay. Leone oh. and... Re- and Le- I thought that was kind of weird yeah. that the... No, yeah, okay. they weren't doing anything. They didn't have plans. <laughs> yeah, no, they weren't invited. Okay. No, Leone and Genevieve were going to go meet with Brene mm-hmm. at her brother's house to have dinner. And mm-hmm. Renee was going to meet them there. So, but instead they decided to come home after shopping, probably like drop things off, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And... But the... So they weren't expected home by the sisters until... Uh- until oh. late in the evening. Uh-huh. And during that day, the two siblings had been doing errands and running, you know, running errands and doing all the 14-hour day work. Like, not even having your own space? Uh-huh. Nope. Like, you think that you have, like, an afternoon to yourself, and then they just, like, can barge in whenever, because it's their home, and you have, like, no personal space. Yep. Ugh. <laughs> So one of the errands that they had to run was to pick up an iron that had been taken to the repair shop. Uh oh. Because um, the week, like a couple days before, there was an incident with the iron. Like it broke. Like they plugged it mm-hmm. in and like it, the fuse blew or something. Mm-hmm. So they took it in to get it fixed, and they went and picked it up. And um, when they plugged the the iron in. The fuse blew again, so the electricity was out in the mm. house, and they were like, well... Oh, God. The the sisters were like, well, they're not going to come home until, like, late at night or, like, early in the morning, so we'll just, like, mm-hmm. in the morning go early to get the iron fixed, and then it'll be no problem. Mm-hmm. Well... Let me see where this is going. <laughs> and, oh, and they kind of wanted to, you know not tell them right away because also the expense for the blown for the fixed the iron to be fixed Mm -hmm. was taken out of their wages shut the fuck up because they had destroyed the iron no you have faulty equipment like (laughs) fuck off you're like rich what Uh uh-huh 
So that is bullshit. You know they're not being paid like anything anyway. Right. Ugh. Um. Okay. So, so the girl, the sisters are home. They're like, "Fuck, we gotta get this fixed in the morning. We'll just deal with it then." Mm-hmm. Leonie and Genevieve come in. They go to turn the lights on. The lights don't turn on because the mm-hmm. fuse is blown. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Leonie flew into a violent rage. Of course. And she starts screaming and yelling Mm -hmm. and, you know, probably stomping her feet and like, this is unacceptable. This is coming out of your wages. Yelling. Throwing a really good tantrum. She was screaming at Christina and Christina picked up a pewter jug. Mm, Yeah, she did. And she smashed it onto Leonie's head. Yes, that's what I thought was going to happen. Which then... Of course she did. You can't just be a total bitch to someone. And then they're, like, working on no sleep and no, like, time to themselves. Ugh. Not that I condone violence, but come on. This is, like, the perfect situation for this to happen. (laughs) Hmm. Yep, I would say so. Which led uh, Genevieve, the daughter, to come to her mother's defense. And she tried to attack Christine and infuriated Christine allegedly shouted I'm going to massacre them oh. Christine turned to Genevieve and those are probably the first words they ever heard her speak <laughs> terrifying yep <laughs> this is this is brutal but uh Christine was like no you don't Genevieve and she with her fingers gouged out her eyes <gasps> Oh my god. And then that escalated so <laughs> quickly. Oh my god, that's not like the second move. <laughs> right? Gouging out eyeballs. Okay, so then you're thinking like so, oh, maybe god. a little mental illness, right? To go for the eyeballs right? like that? Like I understand the like, okay, we we have no sleep. Well, we, here's the thing. Also, we've had a also, rough childhood. Yes, just being like so abused for so long. Like that's that is like one of the best defenses. Go for the eyes, you know? Go for the eyes. Put her down. But to think to go for the eyes, that's like... Whoa. And then uh, Leia looked to Christine for direction, who told her to to perform the same horrendous act on Leonie. Oh, So Leonie's laying on the ground after being bashed in the head with a pewter pot or jug or whatever it was. I just feel like she's not a threat anymore, but okay. Well... Leia was obedient and tore out Leonie's eyes. <gasps> I just cannot with the eye stuff. Without, I cannot. without their eyes, the mother and daughter were rendered helpless. <gasps> they were like still... Still alive. Functioning. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Uh, now they had no chance against the sisters. Christine... That's like some Kill Bill shit. Oh, my God. Christine and Leia, they took this opportunity to escalate their vicious crimes. They ran to the kitchen and got some tools. Oh, God. Then the sisters took turns beating the Lancelin women with hammers, knives, and kitchenware. Okay, I'm not... I'm for sure, like, not condoning their behavior. (laughs) At the same time, just, like, don't be a dick to other people, right? Like... Right? Treat other people with respect. Yep. They even lifted up the skirts of the bodies and began cutting Uh into their buttocks and thighs. No. And one source said, in one final gruesome act, 
No. The sisters basted Leone with her daughter's menstruation blood. <laughs> As you accept your dinner. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I only saw That's that in one brutal. I only saw that in one source, but I just had to But add of course it. you had to include it. Of course. That is so brutal. Um after 2 hours of overkill of torture. Yep. Oh god. The attack died down and the girls cleaned themselves up. They took off all their clothes and they went to their room that was in the attic as you guessed. Oh, called it. <laughs> you are it. so good at calling everything I'm about to say. That's why that's why I feel like we're these girls. We could like read each it's other's minds. That's right. We listen, our next podcast episode, we're not even gonna say anything. Yeah. We're just gonna tell each other stories telepathically. Oh, I like that. And then we'll just and laugh. Everyone else just gotta it'll just, tune in. It'll just be an hour and a half of <laughs> And some gasping. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> How do you find these stories? <laughs> Exactly. Oh, God. Uh, so they went around the house and they locked all the doors. They went up to their room. They lit a candle. They took off their bloody clothes. They got into oh. their shared bed. Because, you know, two beds are hard to come by, apparently. Well, that's expensive. They <laughs> probably can't afford to have two beds for their household workers. Yeah, I mean, at least they get a room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then they waited. Did they just leave the bodies downstairs? Yep. Like, pack a bag and run, you know? Where are they going to go? They have nowhere to go. Look, you steal whatever you can. You pawn it. You buy some train tickets to the farthest place you can afford and get the fuck out. I mean, this is... To me, it also po- points... I mean, the whole thing points to a little bit of mental illness. Yeah, for sure. You know, where you're not... Yeah, for sure. You're not in a right mind. You just murdered... You just scooped out eyes of people that were alive. That was like the first thing you did was scoop out eyes. Yep. So <laughs> clearly you're fine. Like you said. You're thinking rationally. It escalated very quickly. Very quickly. So Renee. I mean, in a way, oh. yeah. But then in a way, they were like being abused for how long, you know? So it's like. That's eh. so what I'm saying. You may that was like be- pent up for quite some time. Beat a little mental illness into you. Hmm. Uh, so Renee was at the brother-in-law's house waiting for his wife oh and daughter to come. Yeah. He's at his brother-in-law's house. He hadn't seen his wife or daughter meet up for dinner. So he mm-hmm. decides to go home and see what's taking them so long. Uh-huh. Upon arriving to the house. Oh, the, oh, the, the brother-in-law went with him. So they w- go, uh-huh. they go to the house and they notice that all the doors were locked from the inside and that all. All the lights are out except for a faint candlelight coming from the maid's quarters in the attic. Mm -hmm. So he thought that that was suspicious and he went and got some police officers to go into the house with him. Mm. Um, Once they were inside, they found the bodies of Madame Lancelin and her daughter Genevieve. Uh And they obviously had both been bludgeoned and stabbed to the point that they were unrecognizable. Yeah, of course. Uh, Madame Lancelin's eyes had were found... Nope. Stop talking about the eyes. They were found in the folds of the scarf around her neck. Oh. 
So they either just like dropped them or they like placed them well, in the scarf. And one of Genevieve's eyes was found under her body. Oh, God. And another on the stairs nearby. Oh, God. I mean, they are rolly little fuckers. <laughs> I feel queasy. Oh, my God. Okay. <sighs> Oh, Can you, imagine? you know what's bad is like I, I I was looking at pictures of them and then I found the murder <gasps> scene. It's pretty brutal. I mean, it's black and like white. With obviously, the bodies? yeah. <gasps> Smashed faces. Oh There's my god! No recognizable bit that they like published in the paper. Maybe I'm not sure. That's hardcore. Oh god! Could you see their eyes? No, it was like black and white and like really grainy. It was hard to see, yeah. but you could see like the two bodies bad laying enough. out, and you could see that like the face, like you could see like the skin color of like the hand, and then like <gasps> the face was just like dark, like smashed oh. in. Oh my god! Renee and the brother-in-law and the two police officers, you know, see the bodies and they start wondering if the two sisters, the Pappen sisters, had come to the same fate that maybe uh-huh. they were also Someone murdered broken yeah. And, yeah 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 so they ran up the stairs oh god um only to find that the door was locked after the officer one of the officers knocked but received no response he summoned a locksmith to open the door <laughs> <laughs> so the locksmith had to like go into that awful scene yep. go all the way up to the attic <laughs> Unlock the door. And break in. And inside the room, he found the Pappen sisters naked in bed mm-hmm. together with mm-hmm. with a bloody hammer with hair still clinging to it. Why did they bring the hammer with them? I don't know. I don't think they Couldn't were they, thinking. they like, claimed innocence? They like left the hammer downstairs and just been like, what? We were in bed. We were just time. sleeping. They did what? What? <laughs> you know, up here, we can't hear a thing. <laughs> it's so well insulated. The insulation's amazing. <laughs> In these old houses. <laughs> <laughs> they could have, but they didn't. Oh, no. Because, and upon questioning, the sisters immediately confessed to the killing. Yeah, of course they did. Very calmly and without a trace of remorse. Yeah. Um, they claimed that it was self-defense, as Christine simply said, it was her or us. Yeah, I'm sure that's how they felt. And Leia told the police, from now on, I'm deaf and dumb. Oh. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so the police collected murder weapons and evidence. Just so much evidence. So much evidence. There was like bloody mm-hmm. knives and Even for like the 1930s, oh, they're everywhere. like, man, this is this super is, easy case. Wrap this up. <laughs> We've got it. Yep. We got the evidence. We got a confession. We got the people. Um, Christine and Leia were placed in prison separately. Oh, no. This caused Christine to become extremely distressed. Yeah. At one point, she was allowed to see her sister, and on Mm. that occasion, she threw herself into her arms. Overnight, the two sisters, aged 21 and 27, became infamous. The public... They're so young. I know. Old maids at that place. (laughs) Well, they were never going to get married if they're living in an attic and, like, working (laughs) ten days a week. Like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, the public was inflamed in a way that rarely happens unless a particularly brutal and large-scale massacre takes place. Oh, not on the side of the women. 
The tabloids went berserk, calling the sisters colorful names like Monsters of Le Mans and The Lambs Who Became Wolves. Okay. <laughs> and The Raging Sheep. <laughs> These are all like metal so, band okay, names. You can only, I mean, you can only have it one way, though. Either they're lambs that became wolves or they're raging sheep. They're like not, <laughs> they're not both. Well. Just choose a new metaphor. Well, suddenly the names of Christine and Leia were known throughout the land. So everyone's like pissed at them, but they're not even considering the conditions that they were living in. Because people were scared because they, they had been working for their employers for seven years and they'd always been really quiet and hardworking and well-behaved. Yeah, because they were probably all <laughs> abusing their workers too. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Who knew that overworking people huh. and abusing them and all that would lead to our deaths? <laughs> and, you know, they, they had no criminal record. They were always proper and honest. Good Catholic girls. <laughs> Good Catholic girls. They'd always spent their t- spare time together and appeared to have no vices. They were right. Ra- they- well, what, what time do they have <laughs> to get a vice? And they were regular churchgoers. So think about that. On their 14-hour days, they were going to church regularly. And that church service was long as fuck if it was Catholic. So they for sure weren't getting sleep. They were going to like the singing masses that were like three hours long. And, and yet suddenly, without the slightest warning, these two maids turned into monsters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Unprovoked completely. <laughs> if only they had become nuns. Um, Christine declared, I'd rather have had our bosses' hides than for them to have had ours. It was a life or death situation for her. And this led to their case being taken up by those who saw what had been done as a revolutionary act. Hey, yeah. Two oppressed women striking a blow against yes. their bourgeois employers and yeah. the the psychoanalyst Jacques Lasson um, enhanced his reputation by writing about the case, arguing that the women killed their mistresses because they saw them in their own mirror image. Which I guess would mean like they just they saw it like I was gonna like, say please explain well because th- I didn't understand either but I mean my my take of that is like they saw them as like you're uh, like you're the same as us you're just women yeah like living your lives and like you, how, you can't treat me less than you we're the same like I'm looking at right. you you're looking at me we're the same person like you can't yeah. treat me you can't treat us like this yeah yeah yeah. Um, this case attracted the interest of intellectuals of the time as they argued that the murders were the manifestation of the class struggle. Mm-hmm. Just like you had said. Hey! On the day after this attack, Christine called for the investigating magistrate. Well, it's like a helicopter parade over know, here. Okay, so. whatever. Christine called... <laughs> There's going to be a lot of background noise on this episode. Shit, a lot of editing. <laughs> Or just let it be. Just let it be. This is the world we live in. We <laughs> don't have studio space. It's not like we're... That's true. Rich bitches. Rich bitches. Here's the plus side. We're not being murdered by people that we're abusing because we're not abusing anyone. Right. Although, you know, if we had that attic space on our half day off, we could be recording. <laughs> <laughs> so well insulated. <laughs> so well insulated. We didn't hear a thing. It's also really hot up here, so we had to be naked for some reason. 
Such. Well, the one outfit that we owned was bloody. What are we going to do? <laughs> this is true. Mm-hmm. What The wash isn't going out till tomorrow. They probably did the wash. They we prob- talking yeah. about going out. <laughs> going out to down the laundry chute to where we have to go down the stairs to the We can't fill the bucket bin. until tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the water's not turned on then. Got to go to the well. Mm. That's right. Um, so Christine called for the investigating magistrate. She wanted to give him a new statement. Other than the Well, original. the original, they they both were like, yes, we did it. We killed them. It was them or me kind of a thing. Yeah. So yeah. she, so her new statement, because she said she hadn't told him the whole truth before, she said mm. that she alone had killed the two women. Oh. And um, she said it was a result of a kind of fit that overcame her. Yep. And that Leia had not taken part in the murders. She's protecting her. Mm-hmm. The investigating judge dismissed this statement as merely a spurious way of trying to set Leia free. What a dick. And the jury at the trial treated it with equal contempt. What a bunch of dicks. Moreover, Leia persisted in saying that she had taken part in the murders. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, the court appointed three doctors to administer psychological evaluate evaluations of the sisters to determine their mental state. What they find? They concluded that the sisters had no pathological mental disorders and deemed them Excuse sane. Excuse me, no. I know. Although medical testimony given during the September 1933 trial noted a history of mental illness in the family. They had an uncle that committed suicide, and one of their cousins was living in an asylum, not to mention the time that they were both institutionalized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes! The jury was like, And nope. the fact that they were abused their whole fucking lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I'm thinking... They were literally institutionalized, <laughs> and they're like, no, they're fine. They're 100% totally normal. <laughs> they don't speak, they haven't spoken for seven years, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I'll... I'll they bu- gouged out someone's eyes. <laughs> they're, they're totally they're cool. sane. They're chill, man. Because they're trying to portray them as just, like, monsters. Well, yeah. These poor people. Like, not poor as in, like, I pity you poor, but poor, like... I pity you, you know, poor. Physically poor people are just crazy. We need to keep the poor in check or they're going to gouge out all of our eyes and terrify us. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's fu- it's fake news. Class warfare. Um, yeah. Which is kind of relevant to today. Um, Look, if I was working 14-hour days, seven days a week, I would gouge someone's eyes Exactly. <laughs> Someone's losing their eyes. That's what I'm saying. And and I have to pay for See? someone's like stupid iron that fucking breaks. Like I fuck off. Knew you would relate to these girls. Fuck right off. Look, I am this girl. I am these girls. Um so although I hope it's not that bad yet. Although the sisters were deemed sane and fit to stand trial. Mm-hmm. The psychological community struggled and debated over a diagnosis for the two. Yeah, right. And I don't know, like, I think this is, like, after they were charged, but, um, you know, a bunch of psychologists and stuff, they 
talked about it, and they came to the conclusion that they had what is known as shared paranoid dis- shared paranoid disorder. Have you ever heard of Folyadu? I have not. I don't think I have. So it is believed to occur when groups or pairs of people are isolated from the world, developing paranoia, and in which one partner dominates the other. Hmm. So folia impulse is where a dominant person known as the primary initially forms a delusional belief during a psychotic episode and imposes it on another person or persons known as the secondary. And um, they use an example of like the Heaven's Gate cult Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. Marshall Applewhite was had this delusion of aliens and that he had convinced like that many people to believe in his delusion so that they killed themselves. Right. So um, having someone seems like that happens for like cults quite often. Yeah. Yeah. The, the secondary person might not have become deluded if left to his or her own devices. Yeah. If parties are admit, if the parties are admitted to hospitals separately, then the delusions in the person with the induced beliefs usually resolve without the need of medication. And the symptoms of the shared paranoid psychosis included hearing voices, a sense of persecution, and a capability for inciting violence in perceived self-defense against imagined threats, which, you know, escalated really quickly to their... Well, that's super fascinating how, like, how much of an effect we can have on each other. Yeah. Especially when isolated. And it said also that those afflicted with the paranoia will often focus on a mother figure as a persecutor. And Mm. especially since they had such a fucked up mother. And then the... This woman was like a fucked up mother. She Yeah, Mm -hmm. because they moved in when they were like, you know, young, like 15 or whatever. And then she became their like pseudo mother and she's a real bitch. Well, and she was a mother. Uh-huh. Of her own child, so even if they like they saw her acting in a role as a mother. Right. Wow. They also believed that uh, Christine... Wait, so this is like a psychological condition? Yeah. So it happens like often enough to have a name? Yeah. Wow. So I guess the disorder was in the DSM, but it's not in the current DSM? Mm-hmm. But it's still considered like yeah, they a did thing some that happened for the DSM five. Yeah, it's still considered like a th- a real thing, but like, yeah. um, they tried to put grief in the DSM five. Huh. <laughs> as a mental disorder, which huh. is like, uh, no, it's everyone grieves. Pretty regular. Pretty normal. But <laughs> 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 huh. okay. Some people also thought that Christine might have suffered from paranoid schizophrenia, so that like mm. that kind of like triggered her. delusions delusions. and hallucinations that she got leia involved in um and but it's it's difficult to diagnose because you know they can appear normal or like i mean i honestly don't even think that they need like a diagnosis the fact that they had been abused for their entire lives like they they had no safe adults in their life like how are they going to develop how are they going to develop relationships with people well, not to when mention they're, that, like, totally afraid all the time? And they're never, like, in a position where they can engage other people. Because, like, even yeah. their employers don't talk to them. They stick to yeah. themselves. 
like when they when they had their like, seven hours off, they probably just stayed in their room or went to church or went to church. Yeah, yeah where people are like crazy. Yeah, and you're not talking to people when you're in church because you're paying attention yeah. and you're standing and kneeling and sitting. And, and if they're going to a Catholic church, then it's like a punishing, scary God. So uh-huh. They're not getting any like reassurance anywhere. Everything everything's just like scary all the time. Right. And anyone they interact with is probably just like a threat and God's a threat and it's just like terrifying all the time. Right. What a scary world to live in. Yep. After the trial, the jurors took a whole 40 minutes to determine that the Pappen sisters were indeed guilty of the heinous crime of which they had been accused. Christine, since she was considered the main offender, she was sentenced to death by guillotine in, oh in the Le Mans public square. Um, Lovely. And mm-hmm. as the sentence was pronounced, she fell to her knees and had to be assisted oh. by her solicitor or lawyer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leah, for her part, was found guilty of the murder of Madame Lesseline, but had not been charged with the murder of the daughter, Genevieve. Mm-hmm. They didn't charge her with Genevieve's murder because doctors had concluded that Genevieve had died before Leah had joined in the murders. So. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> sure. The younger sister, Leah, was sentenced to 10 years hard labor. <gasps> oh, God. <laughs> she already had 10 years. Oh, she had seven years hard labor, and then the rest of her life was hard yep. labor. Uh, the jury didn't sentence her to death because they found extre- extenuating circumstances in her case because she had, they thought that she had been completely dominated by Christine. So they found their, like, scapegoat, their evil mm-hmm. monster, sheep slash wolf. The elder sister, Christine, spent much of her time crying for Leia and begging no. to be reunited with her. Oh, God. She rolled on the floor in apparent paroxysm. I don't... She just rolled around and, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes... Sometimes expressed herself in sexually explicit language, which I'm just guessing she was just cursing and, like... Yeah, I don't understand. I don't really get that part, but... (laughs) um, uh, When she was not crying for Leia, she experienced apparent hallucinations and visions... Uh-oh. During one attack in July 1933, she attempted to gouge her own eyes out <gasps> and had to oh, be God. had to be put in a straitjacket. Oh god. Christine's sentence was later commuted to life in prison. The- Do you think it'd be hard to gouge out eyes? I mean, I think physically no. I think getting past the mental no, I mean, phys- I, mean I, I just meant, like, physically. Eyes are very like... delicate. Oh, God. Okay, I don't want to talk about it. I actually don't want to talk about it. I don't know why I brought it up. Haven't you ever heard of people getting their <laughs> eyes, like, popped? <gasps> what do you mean? Like, a towel whipped into their eye and it, like, <gasps> popped? No! Yeah, your eyes They're are They're, like, vi- eyeball pops? Yes, it's just, like, a thin <gasps> membrane with, like, a gooey inside. Who? No. What? <sighs> your eyes no! are very delicate. Why you have to protect them? Uh, how do I unhear that? Well, just go ahead and wear goggles for the rest of your life. I will always <laughs> wear goggles now. But you can't do the like suctiony ones because if you suction them too tight, they can like pop your eyeballs out. <laughs> no. What am I gonna do now? 
just oh my god just wear like the science ones the like ex- how am i gonna live the, like you know okay the okay si- yeah. the experiment okay. goggles i'll just get a bunch of pairs of those yeah. okay <laughs> with the nose things so yeah. i'll never be able to breathe out my nose well it's good you don't want to have to breathe out your nose do they go over your nose am i hallucinating those are snorkeling goggles aren't they yeah, I don't think it covers yeah, your tripping. nose. Never mind, never mind. <laughs> I've lost my mind. <laughs> I'm so exhausted, I've lost my mind. Okay. So, uh, Christine's condition, de- she began deteriorating rapidly in Clearly. prison. Clearly, yeah. She was profoundly depressed over the over being separated. Did you say her sentence was commuted? Commuted to life, yeah. Which apparently oh, good, was like good. a common procedure for women being sentenced to death in that time so they were like oh sorry we were a little extreme we got a little (laughs) too hasty there (laughs) you just get life now sorry yeah well they saw her you know trying to gouge her own eyes out and she's like well they were like well i mean it seems like it's not a punishment then if we cut your head off the psychologist (laughs) said you were fine but maybe something's going on (laughs) maybe you're not so okay she was not so okay does not sound like it um, she refused to eat and oh, no. progressively were they, got worse. Were they kept apart? Yep. The sisters? Yep. Oh. Um, okay. She was transferred to the asylum in the town of Rennes. Mm. Um, she never showed the slightest sign of improving while she was there. And yeah. as time went by, she died. She died. <laughs> she died. <laughs> That's such a weird way to say that. <laughs> As time went by, she died. <laughs> well, she was slowly dying and dying. So and then bizarre. in 1937, she like died, died. Of... Four years after the trial? Or yeah. I... Yeah, four, that... yeah. Four years after the murder and the trial, Aww. she died from wasting away because she just didn't eat. Oh, my God. That was quick. Um, Leia fared better than Christine. serving. Mm-hmm. She served only eight years of her 10-year sentence. And was released in 1941 um, for good behavior. Wow. After eight years of hard labor? Yep. Way to go. She lived in the town of Nantes. Not... Oh, man. I don't know how to do a French accent. Yeah. You're doing a lot worse than I did in my... (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Nanties. Nanties. (laughs) It sounds like panties, but nanties. (laughs) Nanties. I hate that word. Me too. It's gross. <gasps> it is gross. It's so fucking creepy. It's Ooh. gross. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, she moved to a town and she was joined by her dear mother. Shut up. Why? I don't know, but she did. And oh, she... Ass- kick that bitch out. <laughs> she assumed a false identity. Yeah, for sure she did. For sure. And she earned a living as a hotel maid. Okay. Okay. <laughs> did she have a day off or? Well, we don't know. Work less hours, hopefully? We're not sure. So some accounts say that she died in 1982. Whoa. But French film producer Claude Ventura, which mm-hmm. I don't know that Ventura is a French name, but Claude we'll sure say it is. in a French accent. Claude. I. I I've completely blacked out on French accents. You it is way too late. Claude. Claude. <laughs> it is way too late right now. I cannot think. <laughs> okay. Um, Good try. Good try. Well, Claude, he claims that he discovered Leia living in hospice 
in a in oh. a center in France in 2000. Why? While creating no. the film Inquites de Sauve Papin, which translates uh-huh. to In Search of the pa- Papin Sisters. <gasps> the woman he claimed to be Leia had suffered a stroke, which had rendered her oh. partially paralyzed and unable to speak. Which So, so he's like, I'm you're not sure that, yeah. candidate. <laughs> he's like, you're totally her. You can't say like, no. Like, you're an old woman. You cannot speak. Yes. Mm-hmm. I found her. So in his <laughs> opinion, she died in 2001. I mean, look, it could have been her. It could have been her. We don't know. It, she probably got really hardy after those eight years of hard labor. Oh, my I mean, God. I'm sure she beefed was up. ripped. I just assume Strong. when I think hard labor, I just think like there's a pile of boulders. and you Breaking have to mo- rocks. And you have to move yes. the rocks from one side of the yard to the other. Well, I'm thinking like breaking them. Well, yeah, you the, probably have to break, break them into smaller pieces so that you yeah, can move yeah, them yeah. to the other side of the yard. Yeah. And then, you, then, then once you do that, you take them back to the other side of the yard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think, too. Um, and that is the delightful story of the pa- the Poppin, Papin, Poppin, Pepin, Poppin, 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 Wow. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. Look, I'm going <laughs> to throw this out there and say uh, the older one, Christine. Mm-hmm, Christine. Christine. Uh, she may have been a little scrambled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tossed salad or scrambled eggs. So, yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I think that their eggs were scrambled from the horrible, horrible all their lifehood. I feel like it's like battered woman syndrome mixed in with like history of mental health issues in your family. And sexual assault. And just like just all bad, all bad all around. Yeah, I don't think that they ever had a chance to, like, actually heal or become people. I mean, I guess uh, once Leia got out of prison, she was able to live yeah. her own life. When and... she was, like, kind of separated from it all. Right, but... Well, and the times, like, by the time she got out of prison, it was, like, the 40s, right? Yeah, yeah, 1941. And, like, World, World War the world wars were happening and maybe she had like other opportunities yeah because she was pretty young when she got out so maybe she had like a whole nother chance at life maybe i mean and then her sister just who just totally went full-blown i mean like i don't know oh so sad yeah i i think that I would say scrambled eggs. I think, like, yeah, um, Christine is was more s- seemingly more damaged, and yeah. her sister 
just went along with it. Like, I feel like... Well, that's your whole world, Yeah, you know? when you only know that and you're like, okay, well, you're telling me that there are people out to get us or, like, whatever your delusions the are. The only person you can trust in your life uh-huh. is someone who's, like, kind of out of their mind. Uh-huh. And but you that's wa- the only person you can trust. Yeah, and you just hang on to that. Yep. Yeah. Brutal. You believe it's life or death. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm sure it felt like it, too, with all that... Yeah. Long work. Just being and abused. Being abused. And, and not having a day. Not- I'm like around people for for like every single day for a couple of weeks. I lose my mind. Like I need a break. But also not being treated as human. Like Yeah, on when, top of on top when of you, like not right, getting a like, break. When you yeah. are around people, you're not even spoken to. You're not even like yeah. acknowledged other other than like the white glove test of like, oh, you messed up. Or to be, like, screamed at for, mm-hmm. like, nothing. Or to have to, like, put put all your hard-earned money into buying a new fucking iron. Like, mm-hmm. that is such <sighs> bullshit. Such bullshit. Look, isn't this what the French Revolution was about? Right. Like, clearly they didn't learn. <laughs> what the hell? Well, we still didn't learn. No one's learned. Well, no one's learned anything, so. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Everything's great now. Oh, that was sad. Oh, you're going to be super jealous. My friend signed into his Hulu account on my TV and I can watch Frasier. <gasps> Frasier's on Hulu? Yeah. Yeah, fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, and you can see what we do in the shadows. Oh, I won't watch it without you, though. Oh, that's so sweet. We're just like the Pompon sisters. We are just like the Pompon sisters. <laughs> Because I feel like, too, when we were young, like, you never talked to anybody but me. And then you would, like, tell me well, what you wanted. Well, when adults were around. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would, like, tell me what you wanted them to know. And then I would. Here's the difference, though. I never believed into your delusions. <laughs> I always doubted your delusions. This is why you're the smarter one. <laughs> we can't have everything. Look, you trained me to be skeptical. I appreciate it. It's gotten me through a lot of hard times. <laughs> okay, I got my information from uh, True Believers, an article, the Los Angeles Times, Psychology Today, Court of Appeal. Okay, so I want to say that, and Wikipedia, but I got... Like, basically, my storyline from a court report, so it might not sound as, like, narrative as... It's gonna be dry. Uh, it's gonna be dry like a saltine Ooh. cracker. <laughs> Ten saltines to the mouth. Like Let's a mouthful go. of cinnamon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, so, I'm thirsty now. Yeah, me too, but I don't have any. I was Drink your spit. I know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Holly was born on August 16th, 1970, which is oh. one day after my birthday, but 20 years mm-hmm. earlier. Okay. In September of 1988, she left her parents' home in St. Helena, California. Helena? Uh, yep. Helena? Santalina. That's what they call it. Like, I yeah, don't know how to Saint say Helena, it. Yeah, Santalina, right? But, um, yeah, because Ryan's from Napa, and right. it's right next to Napa, and he says They're, like, that. pretentious. I've heard it as yeah. St. Helena, so. Yeah, yeah. So she went to the University of California, Irvine. Mm-hmm. Smarty pants. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. In the summer of 1989, she returned home to St. Helena and got a summer job at the winery where her father was employed. Mm-hmm. Gary Ramona was a vice president for worldwide marketing of Robert Mondavi Winery. Ah, the Mondavi. Yeah, and he made an annual salary of four hundred thousand dollars in nineteen eighty nine. So, a good amount of money. Dude was doing well. That summer, Holly's mother, Stephanie Ramona, discovered Holly vomiting in the bathroom. Uh-oh. Holly admitted to Stephanie that she thought she had an eating disorder. Mm. So mm-hmm. Gary arranged for Holly to see a psychiatrist named Barry Grundland in Napa Good. County that summer. Okay. Yep. And Stephanie arranged for Holly to see a marriage and family therapist named Marche Isabella in Irvine mm-hmm. that fall when she went back to school. The name is M-A-R-C-H-E. Marche. Marche. Sounds good. I think so. Okay. Or Marchi. Marchi. <laughs> what was that word you said? Nanties, Marchi. <laughs> Marchi's Nanties. <laughs> so Stephanie discussed Holly's condition with Isabella before Holly went to see her. After Isabella told Stephanie that up to 80% of people with eating disorders have been sexually abused, Stephanie asked Holly whether Gary, her father, had ever sexually abused Uh her. At that time, Holly didn't claim that he ever had. Mm -hmm. So, So Holly, a young college student... Her mom's going to see this like psychiatrist psychologist and the psychologist or I've heard I've heard it both ways that she's a psychologist and that she's a social worker and the mm. social worker is basically like, oh, well, was she like sexually abused? And then the mom's like, no, I don't think so. And she's like, well, chances are she was sexually abused. And then the mom's like, I don't see how that's possible. And she's like, well, she was probably sexually abused. Huh. If 80 percent of people with an eating disorder, which I don't know where that number okay. came from. but. So, Holly began treatment for bulimia and depression with Isabella Uh in September of 1989, when she went back to Irvine. At their first meeting, Isabella asked Holly, among other things, if she had been sexually abused. Isabella told Holly that 60 to 80% of Isabella's patients with eating disorders had experienced abuse of some kind, including sexual abuse. At the first session, Holly did not claim to have been abused. Several weeks later, Holly began group therapy with Isabella's female patients with eating disorders, some of whom Mm -hmm. had been sexually abused. Let's see where this is going. So, like we've talked about, like, in hypnotherapy classes, when someone of authority is speaking to you, that's, like, a very poignant suggestion Mm -hmm. that your subconscious is eventually going to take into consideration so after being asked multiple times and after her mother was asked even before meeting holly her mother was asked multiple times if holly had been abused Mm -hmm. like this is setting it up in a wonderful way in late december well and when you're when you're at the point where you're like um you know in in the uh, god i can't think of english right now (laughs) when you're 
going through an eating disorder mm-hmm. and have depression and there's a lot of self-doubt and hate anyway so then you're like well maybe plus if you don't really have like a reason other than just you know chemical imbalance mm-hmm. sometimes it's nice to latch onto a re like oh well maybe i am this way because this and it's not just me it's something happened to me right so then i can well and yeah. you're in this group with other women who are saying that they've been abused and they have eating disorders so it's like oh well maybe i'm like i'm like them like maybe i'm in the same situation right so, right. in late December of 1990, the year I was born, oh. Holly <laughs> Holly went home during a school break, and she said that she received a look from Gary that was disturbing. Oh, no. Until the beginning of January 1990, Holly had no memory of being sexually abused by Gary, and had not mentioned any claims to Stephanie or Isabella. Did did it ever but, say if like Stephanie had like told him like oh I went to therapy today and she said that like the reason I don't know I feel like maybe she I don't know if she said anything but I I've like heard that when she came out of that meeting with Isabella she was convinced that Holly had been abused by Gary. So she probably confronted him, I'm thinking. Because I'm wondering if, like, the look he gave her or something was kind mm-hmm. of, like, just a weird look of, like, a, a, like I would not, you know, like, I don't want to give you the wrong idea. Like, if you mm-hmm. think this happened. Well, yeah. And it could also be, like, she's in this prime state of thinking, like, okay, all these other women who have eating disorders have been abused if 80% of women who have eating disorders have been abused and then she's like kind of like weary of her dad and then all of a sudden she sees like you know what she interprets as like a threatening look well cuz yeah they're all telling her inadvertently your dad mm-hmm. abused you mhm or not so inadvertently with Isabel like asking her multiple times well but did she say <laughs> pretty... did she say was it your dad or did she say did anyone i think she was implying that it was a f- her father just because in most abuse cases it's usually like a parent or family member right i don't know 100 percent, but it's fine so in january of 1990 while driving back to school with stephanie holly began experiencing visual images involving gary which had been referred to as flashbacks or visual flashes these flashbacks related to a period when holly was between five and eight years old When the flashbacks began, Holly was uncertain whether they were true memories of sexual abuse. Mm. And I just want to say that it it, it does happen that... People don't remember. um, Survivors of abuse will block things out, for sure. And it does happen that we choose not to remember certain things from our lives. Well, yeah, so your brain... This is just It's your brain protecting you. Yeah, exactly. There are, like, reasons for it and... This is not one of those cases. <laughs> yeah. So in February of 1990, a woman Holly had met in group therapy told her that she had undergone a sodium amytal interview for the purpose of uncovering <sighs> memories of sexual uh, abuse. Truth serum. The woman told Holly that the sodium amytal interview confirmed that she had been sexually abused. Okay. So, Holly, 
who is unsure at this point right. if her flashbacks are actually true, she decides that she needs to know. She needs to know if these are, like, real. So she asked Isabella to undergo a sodium amytal interview, and Isabella assured her that only persons trained to lie under the drug's influence could do so. So she's like, how you said, it's a truth serum. She's like, mm, you can't lie under this stuff. It's a truth serum unless you're, like, specifically trained, <laughs> like, by the CIA or whatever. Oh, you're not a CIA agent, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should we I uncover that I don't think so, but uh-huh. I don't know. I thought I was a high school student. I mean, maybe. I thought I was What's in college. What's the percentage of people <laughs> yeah. that are CIA agents who don't know? <laughs> yeah, they could have used so, that uh, that that Men in Black. What's that little thing that they had? The little mind. Oh, clearer. that little like laser like, thing. Boo-boo. I know what is that called? Yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm sure other people do too. <laughs> oh shit! I wish I had the name. That would have been so good. Mm. Okay, so Holly, Holly was then hospitalized at Western Medical Center in March of 1990. She told some of the hospital staff that she was there partly to undergo sodium and metal interview to uncover memories of sexual abuse, maybe. Just as an aside, so so she has bulimia and she has depression, right? right? Like, right. that's what she's going for, for treatment right. for. Sodium amytal is not a treatment for either of those things. <laughs> so the fact that she's even getting this, it's like, why? What the hell? So on March 14, 1990, psychiatrist Richard Rose and Isabella conducted a sodium amytal interview of Holly at Western Medical Center. No audio or video recording or written transcript was made of her flashbacks uh-huh. before the interview and no recording or transcript was made of the interview itself. Uh-huh. And it's been reported that the only new incident that Holly had recalled during the interview was that her maternal grandmother had been raped by the grandmother's brother. Huh. And she said that she didn't even know if that was true or not. <laughs> but, so somewhere uh, in this interview. Well, let's go back. If she's telling a lie, she's a CIA mm-hmm. agent. That's right, because, she, yeah, she's been taught to lie under this truth serum. So, obviously, she is in the CIA. So. And that's got a whole other bunch of issues. Or her memories are real. 100%. <laughs> there can only be either way. So, after the interview, she was told what she had said during the interview. And... Holly then told Isabella, Rose, Stephanie, her mother, and a nurse that she wasn't entirely convinced that what she had said during the interview was the truth. So this is like, okay, so her mom goes in to see this this social worker or this psychologist, Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, was she abused? And she's like, no. And they're like, well, but really, was she abused? And she was like, I don't think so. And she's like, but was she abused? And Mm -hmm. she was like, maybe. Maybe. Then... (laughs) Then Holly goes in to see this therapist, and they're like, were you abused? And she's like, no. And they're like, but were you abused? And she's like, I don't Mm-mm. think so. And then she goes in this group setting, and then this one woman's like, but were you abused? And she's like, maybe. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, it seems like this Isabella lady really wants this to be true. So all these people assured Holly that she had not lied during the interview, even though no one checked to see if her grandmother had been raped. Uh, and also, I don't know. I don't know. I've, 
I've tried many a hallucinogen, and I remember things. Like, it's not like you black out and, like, come to and you have no memory of it. I mean... Well, but have you ever tried sodium amytal? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wonder, like, is it, like, GHB, where it's just, like, you can still walk around and do stuff, but you have no memory of what you're doing at right. all. Or, like, alcohol. When you're, like, in a blackout state, you know, right. you have no inhibition, you're just saying whatever the fuck comes to mind. Only truths. Yeah. <laughs> Only the truth. Unless. How many truths CIA. have you spoken when you're drunk? <laughs> Too many. <laughs> yep. It all, well, I only speak the truth. <laughs> yes. Well, it's too hard to not. Yeah, it's too hard to keep up on lies. Oh, yeah. Who's got the time and energy? No. I have Mm-mm. no energy. No. <laughs> so, so after this, of her being like, I'm not sure that was true what I said, and then all of these people being like, well, you can't lie unless you're a CIA agent, and you're not a CIA agent, are you? And she's like, no, I'm not a CIA <laughs> agent. So they're like, well, then obviously you didn't lie. So then Therefore. Holly Holly becomes convinced that Gary, her father, had sexually molested oh her when she was a child. God. So on March 15th, the very next day, she confronted her father at a meeting at Western Medical. So he probably goes to like visit her to see how she's mm-hmm. doing, and then she's like, why did you assault me as a child? Like, why did you yeah, I have sexually assault me when now. I was a kid? And he's like, yeah. what the hell is going on? Her right. mom, Stephanie, was there, too, when she con- when she confronted her father. And then after that meeting, Holly refused further contact with her father unless he confessed and began therapy himself. What? She was convinced. Then her mother took her two sisters and sued for divorce. Like, her mother was convinced, too. Which, like, if you're convinced that your husband is molesting your children, obviously, like, get them into a safe situation immediately. Right. I mean, honestly, even if there's just, like, a possibility of it, get them away and then figure it out. Right. But, like... I mean, <laughs> this just that no not... one has any memory of it, but they're like, but eighty percent, yeah, and the truth okay. serum. So what do you know? I mean, well, if this guy is innocent as we think he is, mm-hmm. I feel very, very bad for him. Oh, just wait. Within months, Gary lost his beloved job, where oh he God. felt like he felt like his job was a second family, <laughs> and he lost it. He lost his salary. He lost everything. His because family, of this? yeah, his family moved out. He was fired. All this in 1992, two years after the sodium amytal interview, Holly had additional flashbacks of alleged sexual abuse um, committed by Gary when she was 12 through 16 years old. So she goes in when she's like what 18 years old, <laughs> right. and she's like she doesn't remember. Yeah, I was going to say, that's really a close... Like, I understand, mm-hmm. like, shutting out farther memories, and I understand, like, wanting... But, like, two years, you can try as you might to shut that out, but, like, unless... I feel like you unless would know. You're just, I feel like that, yeah. too, unless you're, like, so severely traumatized that you just block everything out no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... This, yeah, that one got me because I know the mind is like super powerful, but I just don't know that it's that like you'd have some kind of inkling, you know, if you're 18 before you even go into therapy, like you'd have some kind of idea that like, you know, even when you're like hanging well, out assuming, with your father, wouldn't you have like yeah, some kind of like, ooh, about that's being what with I was, him? That's what I was going to say. Like, yeah, you would assume that if 
if they're all just like hanging out as a family and she's not like trying to get to the other side you know like not like wanting to sit next to him or like Mm -hmm. having like no kind of reaction Mm -hmm. is odd yeah yeah until you see this like one person it's like so in 1992, the flashbacks were of an incident. So 1992 was, I guess it was like a couple years after the interview. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Two, so two years after the interview, the flashbacks were of an incident of, of rape when Holly was between 14 and 16. Um, an incident of oral sex when Holly was 12 or 13. An incident of kissing when Holly was between 12 and 14. And an incident of anal sex when Holly was 12 or 13. Oh, whoa, that escalated. Yeah, so, like, at first she's like, okay, well, I guess my grandmother was raped. And yeah, then they're like, so oh, like maybe okay, Maybe, like, that well, story, like, affected me or something. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, so... But but nobody checked to see if that was even real. So she's like, okay, well, you guys are looking for stories of sexual assault, obviously, so, like, my subconscious is going to make up a story. Here's the story. And then it's like, oh, and now they're... Like, they're like, yes, now you're doing good. Like, yeah. that's that's yeah. right. That's good. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, yeah, that's good. Like, maybe there's more. Mm-hmm. Try and think of more. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, because, I mean, I can understand, like, blocking, you know, something out when you're young. Yes. Like, an incident, maybe a year of incidents. But, like, there are numerous incidents and the age gap keeps getting bigger and bigger. So it's, like, basically her her whole life. Yeah. Like, from like five on to 16. Any, yeah. Right. yeah. So Holly filed a lawsuit against Gary on May 4th, 1992, when she was 21 years old. She oh alleged that she had only recently discovered or recalled the abuse in January of 1990, about three months after beginning treatment for depression and bulimia. Huh. Where I feel like... I feel like there's so many reasons to develop depression and bulimia. Like, so many reasons. Yeah. and Sure, like, very... abuse might be one of them. Sexual abuse might be one of them. One, but there are yeah. so many other reasons. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's why I'm saying, like, it seemed like that woman wanted this diagnosis for some reason. I don't know if it was a woman. Marche? Oh. oh. I don't know. Okay. Well, With Marche... With Isabella, like... I know. Marche really wanted to uh I guess I should have looked that one up. I just didn't. Wait, are Marche and Isabella different people? No, Marche is Isabella is the name. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Yeah. Marche. You're like, what do you See, mean Isabella's not a woman? Yeah. I was like, I mean, it's a very feminine name for a man, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, whatever. Uh, uh, Maybe it's a family name and they didn't Marche. have a girl, I don't know. Um, so it seemed like for some reason, like, was this like a new, I don't know, like, diagnosis, like, so, they, like they were trying to publish some kind of statistics or something? So in the late 1980s and early 1990s, this whole recovered memories thing was, like, really big, that people were oh. discovering that, like, so rep- everyone must have that re- you can repress memories and that's totally real but then they were taking it like you know like satanic panic when they made yeah. all those children confess to things that didn't happen because they had like adults asking them like leading questions like it was a whole thing where it's like okay well they didn't realize that if you're asking leading questions people are gonna like make up answers unknowingly well, how, many, 
how many kids go to prison because they accidentally confess to something they didn't do because they're just like like the cops you know telling them like you can go home if you just like yeah. tell me you did it yeah yeah you can't, you can't you know just like bullying them until they or say based what on they the questions hear. they ask to yeah. like confuse them to the point where it's like okay well i've been in this room for like 24 hours i'm like I'm exhausted and you keep asking me these questions. I don't know how to answer them anymore. And I'm like losing my mind. Yeah. So. Okay. So yeah, it was like this huge, it was this like huge movement. And then there was like this whole thing about like false memory syndrome, which isn't really a syndrome. And the guy who came up with it's actually like a pedophile. And it's like all this whole, like it's, it's just like crazy. It's just craziness. So apart from like Holly's story, there were there was no other evidence and evidence is like very hard to find in sexual assault cases for sure right but right. she never told like anyone um she, she like denied it me- yeah she denied it's- it up to like the very end basically and then all of a right. sudden like all these People memories are coming her. back to her because like the interview and then she's like all of a sudden for sure it happened so uh gary was trying to bar holly from testifying because her memory was tainted by the sodium amytal. Right. And then Holly, like, for sure believed at this point that she was molested. And she... And it wasn't sure that, like... They knew, basically, that she was really unsure about it. Even after the interview, like, she was pretty unsure about it. She's like, I don't know if what I said was true. And they're all basically like, well, you can't lie, so... Well, yeah, and it's like the whole time, the whole time they're like, this happened, didn't it? This happened, didn't it? This happened, didn't it? And then it's like, well, maybe, okay, we're going to give you some drugs and then you're going to tell us that it happened. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then it's like, (laughs) well, you can't lie. So obviously it happened. Right. And she's like, well, if I can't lie, then yeah, obviously it happened. And you're in the care of what you consider doctors. Like, well, they must know. Their authority alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They, they know they're the ones who studied this for years. So like, why would they lie to me? They're just trying to help me. Mm -hmm. And your subconscious is so, that's like the seat of your imagination. Like, of course it's so easily influenced mm-hmm. her her recovered repressed memories of sexual abuse was the only proof and there's nothing else no other evidence that the abuse had occurred gary asserted that not only had isabella implanted false memories of sexual abuse into holly's mind through unduly subject subject suggestive questioning <laughs> But also that Isabella and Rose had conducted a sodium amytal interview after incorrectly telling Holly that she could not lie under the drug's influence unless trained to do so. Only then, Gary pointed out, did Holly come to be convinced that her flashbacks were true and that he had molested her. Mm-hmm. And on another note, when people do have false memories implanted, they mm-hmm. really believe that they happened. They seem very real. Even her mother thought, like, this is very real. Like, her mother was super convinced. Well, yeah. I mean, same thing for the, with the, same thing that happened to the daughter happened to the mother of, like, like you're saying, you know, you did it. This happened. This happened. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then now the daughter's saying it happened. Oh, okay. Well, then it fucking happened. Yeah. You got to believe her, right? For the mm-hmm. safety of her and your other two daughters. Right. Why wouldn't you? So, in California, a witness whose memory was refreshed by sodium amytal may not testify to the truth of that memory because sodium amytal interviews have long been held to be unreliable. 
Sodium amytal is not a universal truth drug, and it is quite possible for a person to lie under the influence. <laughs> yeah, you could just say whatever you like. Especially what? when someone's leading you with certain questions, you're going to just answer however. There is right, extreme you're, you're, suggestibility of a person under the influence of sodium amytal. So it's probably like a little bit like being hypnotized where you're just like very like loose and like, yeah. you know, kind of, um, what's the word? Kind of like in a dream state where you're just like, yeah, you're like in a trance, whatever, like, I feel good. You're I'll very you open. Yeah. Suggestions. Your imagination's going like, yeah. yeah. If you're not very careful with people who are in the state, they're going to say whatever you want them to say, basically. Unless you're in the CIA. <laughs> so, while sodium amytal may have long been administered to break down a person's inhibitions against revealing information, there is no expert consensus concerning the reliability of the information extracted during such a procedure. So, so even though they were using it like a true serum, there's no proof that it's actually a true serum. It's basically like alcohol. You have no inhibitions anymore. Right. You're going to say whatever pops into your mind. <laughs> and it's going to sound like a really good idea, and it's going to seem super real. Yeah, and then you're going to be really into it, and you're like, oh my god, okay. it's true. This happened. Mm-hmm. You just take it oh. off from there. Mm. A psychiatrist named Martin T. Orne confirmed that there remains a general consensus in the scientific community that using sodium amytal for truth-finding purposes is not a reliable technique. He said, It has long been recognized and accepted in the scientific community that is not useful in ascertaining truth. Things said under the influence of sodium amytal are no more reliable than things said while intoxicated by alcohol. Hmm. Further, under the influence of sodium amytal, a patient becomes more sensitive and receptive to suggestions due to the context and to the comments of the interviewers. So the context of her interview was to find out if she was sexually assaulted. What do you think they're going to find if that's the whole context? And they're pushing her to, Uh like, what do you think that they're going to talk to her about while she's under? It's not going to be, like, any memories. It's like other memories of your dad can you like imagine being like in bed at night and having your dad come in it's Mm -hmm. like oh yeah i could or even if you're like oh are you in your room who's there with you that's a leading question assuming there's someone there you know right oh is it an adult i heard i read one one example where it was like someone was leading someone and was basically like oh like who's there with you and then they were like oh it's a it's like another, it's another kid. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. could it be a small adult? And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess it could be like a small woman. I don't know. Like, and it's like, like <laughs> Especially when you're a kid you're, and your imagination is good. You're like, I guess there could be like a small adult. Why not? I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah, why not? A tiny person. Why, I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's an adult disguised as a kid because like magic exists because I'm right? seven. Because who fucking knows? <laughs> He also said the process makes it more likely that a subject will respond to subtle cues and come to believe statements as true, which in fact have no basis in reality. Critical judgment is largely suspended and the subject may more readily transform or distort distort recollections, dreams, fantasies, and create pseudo memories, which the subject may come to believe as true. Hmm. 
The subject may also confabulate and fill Ooh. in gaps of memory with largely or totally fictitious material. It is impossible to ascertain whether such memories described during a sodium amytal interview have any reliability without independent corroborating evidence. Right. So basically, you're just making shit up and filling in with what you think that the people want to hear since they're all there for you to like talk about your being molested by your dad. Seems like it's just as reliable as the polygraph test. Or alcohol. Which, which you could beat if you were in the CIA. Mm-hmm. Only if you're in the CIA. Right. So this was all about the trial of her suing her dad. Uh-huh. And they said that they couldn't reasonably determine Holly's memories were not, if they were, were not created during a sodium amytal interview. Even though she may have recalled and related certain events before the interview, she was uncertain whether they were actual events until the after the interview, thus rendering her memories uncertain and subject to contamination during the interview. So basically, yeah. it doesn't, like, there's no... doesn't hold up. Yeah, it doesn't hold up at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, if it actually happened and she was, you know, molested... Mm-hmm. Like, that sucks, but there's just, there's not enough evidence. Like, there's just no evidence to, like, her repressed memories and some psychologist being like, yeah. we drugged her and she told us. Is yeah. Like, After uh, we asked her, like, 20 times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, not good enough to sue someone and, like, you gotta, gotta bring something better than that. You've got to. You've got to. And just, I just feel like that's such, like, shoddy... Uh, therapy work where it's like you're not oh, really working yeah. with the person where she's at and her own issues you're just like oh well it's got to be this issue and that's it let's discuss like you being molested and she's like well I wasn't and then it's like well that's the only way that you're like depressed I really wonder if like I really wonder if Marche was trying to like write some thesis or something about like the correlation and it was like I need more people to be that way so I have to like mm-hmm. you know, so, like it just seemed so weird that Marche was so into it. If that's kind of like their their idea about it, so they just kind of like assume like if you if you're like a psychologist or a social worker or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like that's like what you look for. You're gonna right. find it, whether right. you're making those stories up or not. Like you're gonna find it. And if you're right. telling people when they first come in, like, hey, most of the people who have your <laughs> like issues. This is hap- this is what led up to it. Yeah. You're just priming yeah. them. You're just priming them to to say that that's what happened to them. And they're already at a vulnerable stage of like yes. healing and, and you're an authority stuff. figure uh-huh. and you're the one that like knows best. Uh-huh. Mhm. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good therapy work. So Dr. Oren also stated that if the patient is concerned about sexual matters, he or she will tend to recall sexual experiences. This Uh is likely to forever distort the memory of the subject. So when Uh they remember, in quotes, they Uh really think that those memories are real. Well, yeah, because, like, I mean, our imaginations are great. So so great. You can, like, construct Mm -hmm. a whole world inside your head like vivid details too that whatever have been implanted by whoever you've been talking to well yeah and when you think back on your life and you remember something and you share that memory with someone who is also there your guys's versions of it are totally different 
because everyone's memories are kind of faulty anyway. Like, we don't remember things exactly. We just, like, remember what we think we remember, so. Um, and then in yeah. in the, like, Psychology Today uh, article, they had this thing about different uh, politicians and, like, famous people who have, like, created false memories, and they, like, shared these out loud, and people, like, fact-check them or whatever, and they're like, oh, well, that's how I remembered it, and it's like, that's huh. not how it went at all. Like, it happens to people. Every, anyone is susceptible to a false memory. Like, sure. anyone. It's only, like, these times when it's, like, kind of dangerous because you're really interfering with people's lives. Well, it's like that thing where, like, every time you remember something, you're just remembering the memory mm-hmm. of what happened. So, like, every time it can get get just a little different each time you think about it. Yeah. And then if someone's telling you, like, oh, well, I was there and remember, like, this happened. And you're like, oh, I... Okay, and then that, like, even you can their description that of, into your memory. Yeah, yeah. Their, their memory becomes part of your memory, yeah. and you're like, okay, I can remember that, even though you don't really remember it. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Super crazy. And a lot of, like, I feel like a lot of therapy work, or, like, hypnotherapy work that goes into the past, you're not really, like, finding those exact details. What you're doing is dealing with, like, the emotions around all of that. Right. And you're finding ways to kind of, like, move past those so they don't hold you back anymore. You're not, like, mm. bringing that stuff up so you can, like, accuse people. You're bringing it up so you can, like, deal with it mm-hmm. and, like, you know, move through it and improve your own life. So it's, like, why are you dredging this stuff up, making her think these things, ruining her relationship with her father... Over what? Your own, like, psychological yeah, bent? Like, what? That's what I want to know what this person was I about. Mean, I like... feel like it's all... I feel like they're intending to do good. I feel like uh-huh. they... I think that Isabella was really, like... You know, if you really think that someone was sexually molested, you want to help them yeah. move through it. It's like, of oh, course. well, you have to admit it. And then you have to, like, you know, get angry. And then you have to, like... I don't know. If you but have your own steps like, how to process, but you're not listening to your to your client or your patient or whatever. Right. It's like you said earlier, like it it just it's not helping if you have like an agenda as a therapist, like you know, like your agenda is to listen to them and see how you can help in what's happening with them yeah not like and what's trying best to fit for them. them into your box yeah exactly you can't tell yeah. someone how to process their own pain or their own issues they've got to learn how to do that on their own right you just create like a safe space for them to do it right so i think like based on all all of that the case was eventually dropped i all think all that this is all that ah <laughs> uh, 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 uh. uh, uh. <laughs> There was no evidence, and Holly's testimony was clearly unreliable. So, in Napa County Superior Court, Gary Ramona, represented by lawyer Richard Harrington, sued Western Medical, Rose and Isabella, all three, stating Mm -hmm. that the parties gave his daughter false memories and that the alleged sexual abuse never occurred. He asked for $8 million for wages he would have earned if he had not lost his job and general Damn. damages. Damn. Yeah. This was the first time that a court has allowed a therapist to be sued for implanting false memories. Wow. Mm-hmm. Harrison Pope, a Harvard University employee known as being an expert on bulimia, stated that bulimia was not influenced by one being sexually assaulted as a child. Mm-hmm. Says one expert. Right. One expert. <laughs> In 1994, 
The jury voted 10 to 2 against the defendants and awarded Gary $500,000. Huh. With half corresponding to damages faced in the future and the other half for wages not being earned. So he didn't get $8 million and he only basically got one year of wages. Like wow. four years yeah. after this all went down. Stephanie Ramona stated that she continued to believe the therapist and her daughter. Jury foreman Thomas Dudham stated that he disliked how Ramona perceived the verdict as a victory and that the jury intended to make it clear that we do not believe, as Gary indicates, that these therapists gave Holly a wonder drug and implanted these memories. So they didn't give him that much money because they... They didn't trust Gary, I guess, which I think that was kind of odd. Dr. Park Elliott Dietz, a forensic psychiatrist hired by Gary Ramona, testified that Isabella's conclusion was an outrageous misrepresentation and that Isabella and Rose failed to follow standards for accepting therapeutic for acceptable therapeutic care, which I Mm -hmm. agree. Yeah. A Napa Valley Superior Court jury ruled that two Orange County therapists implanted false memories on child abuse. Oh, that's just like... Okay, so... Elizabeth Loftus, I'm going to leave you on this, from the University of California, Irvine, is a forensic psychologist... She identified two primary research paradigms that she studies in her memory laboratory at the University of California at Irvine. The first paradigm, which she calls the misinformation paradigm, involves testing research on subjects on a specific event and seeing how accurate their memory for that event is afterwards. The second paradigm, focusing on implanting false memories, involves bringing subjects in and asking suggestive questions and seeing whether that influences recall of past events. As she concludes in describing her research... We've done hundreds of experiments involving thousands of subjects showing that it's relatively easy to change people's memories of the details of an event that they've actually experienced. Research showed that creating false memories of a relatively benign childhood experience could be induced in as many as a quarter of the subjects tested. Even in subjects who failed to develop a complete false memory, partial recall could be induced in nearly half of all research subjects. An article in Slate Magazine did an informal study using online readers, presenting a series of doctored and real photographs. At least 15% of online readers reported remembering doctored pictures of public events including one photograph of President Obama shaking hands with the president of Iran. In studying these results, Slate found that political beliefs often matched these false memories. Conservative readers were more likely to remember the Obama photograph, for instance. So, it's not that hard to implant false memories, and even, like, very well-meaning therapists can do it relatively easily. So I feel like during this whole time, you've just implanted false memories in my head subconsciously. Um, I'm doing it subliminally. (sighs) Right, right. But it's only for your own good. So, you know, don't see me. (laughs) 
No. So it's super fascinating. And then today um, in class, we watched a video of a woman who had thought that she may have had a false memory implanted by a therapist that she went to see. Uh-huh. And this therapist uh, was like an expert. I'm putting quotes. She was she or he, I think it was she, was a specialist in child ritual abuse, which oh, no. is extremely rare. Yeah. But the fact that she said that, that she was a specialist and people go and see her, like she's bound to find people who've been yeah. ritually abused because that's the suggestion going in immediately. Right. So, so like, our teacher had to go through and kind of disentangle all of that and find, like, the truth, if it was, like, a false memory or not. But it's just, like, Whoa. it's just so crazy. It's so crazy. Whoa. Whoa. And I think, I don't know, I feel like the psychologist or social worker or whatever Marche was, was just trying to do good. Uh-huh. But in not a good way at all. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I like to think that at the heart of a lot of, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists and stuff, it's they want to help people and social workers and, yeah. whatever you know, all the different mental health helpers. I think, like, you don't go in it trying to be bad. Right. Or to hurt people but like look there's not enough money in it to do that (laughs) yeah it's just seemed like they had this weird agenda i don't know what it is well i think it was just the timing of it all because like i said that was the time with the whole satanic panic and that was you know i feel like i feel like that was the time when they were getting glimpses of things like repressed memories and they just took that and they ran with it and they were like oh well if some people have repressed memories Everyone must have repressed memories. Let's, like, dig down into everyone's past. And if you have any kind of mental health issue, it's probably tied with, like, prior molestation, probably by a family member. And I think, I just think that they got so, like, excited about helping people, and this was, like, a new avenue to help people Mm. with, that they just kind of applied it to everyone, even when it didn't (laughs) apply. Yeah. Huh. So that's my story about Holly Ramona and Gary Ramona and that sucks. Like, yeah, just destroyed a family, uh, without killing them, which is nice, but then kind of <laughs> just, you know, ruined. yeah, because if they still, if, if Stephanie and if Holly and if the two other, I don't know how the two other kids feel about it, but if they, if Holly and Stephanie at least believe that Gary like molested her for, yeah, however many years, like and he lost his whole family. It. He lost yeah. his whole family basically overnight because of these two people. Yeah. And like he's you know thinking like okay my daughter's gonna go get help for these yeah. issues. Okay, like, good. I'm glad that, like, you know, doing doing good by her. They, like, I'm did the research sure. to find good yeah. people for her to go to and like, get help. Like, they immediately took her to, to mm-hmm. therapy, which I, I was like, good, good. They, like, they know what to do. Yeah. Well-adjusted oh. family, good parents who are responsible and care about their kids. Like, wow. Yikes. Wow. And then it's like, if you're going to give them some kind of drug study it learn about it don't lie and say like oh you can't lie under this this truth serum which is like then do your research like clearly that's not the case and for god's sakes record
record everything. <laughs> or just give her like a bunch of vodka shots and then ask her to tell you about when she was molested. You know, it's like the same. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought sodium amytal was truth serum too. And then it turns out just sounds like a fun, fun drug that lowers your inhibition and makes you make up crazy stories. But I think it, it is truth serum. Like, it's what it's called, but it's, like, not, doesn't actually not. work. It just lowers your inhibition. So, yeah, right. that would help you tell the truth. Like I said, sometimes a little too much truth, but... A little too much truth. You're also super suggestible in that state. Yeah, because how many times are people, like, hypnotized and then it's, like, cluck like a chicken? You're not a chicken. You're not having a repressed memory of being a chicken. I mean, maybe you were chicken in a past life. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> but that's you know? a choice. Like, when you're under hypnosis, you're totally in control. Those people <laughs> cluck like a chicken because they want to put on a show. They want to cluck like a chicken in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to well, be the also, star. Because if they don't, then it's good. they're going to look stupid because then it's like, oh, it didn't work for you. Oh, maybe. You know? Well, and also it's going to be like, well, get off the stage for someone else who will, like, be the star of our show. You want your 15 minutes of fame, you're going to cluck like a cluck fucking like chicken. Ah, <laughs> uh, a truer yeah. statement was never spoken. So I just want to say that super important, let's all just be neutral all the time. Yeah, yeah. Open minds, open hearts, open farts. And the only truth serum I need is a bunch of alcohol. Oh, speaking of serum. <gasps> speaking of serum. <laughs> Check out Humblebee Herbal. They got a really nice facial serum. It's got a lot of really good oils for balancing skin cells, for cell rejuvenation. It's like good stuff. And it's got a touch of rose essential oil. So it smells super yummy and lovely. Humblebeeherbal.com. Get hypnotized by their scents. Ooh. Oh. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So I would say that there isn't really a tossed salad or a scrambled egg. I would say... I mean, I feel like their intentions were good, but the way they went about it was a little tossed. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to go and tell someone that they can't lie under this stuff? Yeah, it was a little... Pushy? Pushy and pl seemingly planned out. It was weird, right? It's just so pushy. Mm -hmm. Why are you going to ask like a million times? Sometimes, yeah, people are reluctant, but like sometimes they're telling you the truth. Huh. Mm -hmm. Well, that was an interesting story. Oh, good. Thanks. And now for the portion that we like to call Crimey Six, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Alright. Are you ready for a crime any sakes? I am. Oh boy, am I. I got this article from Thrillist.com. It says, 
Naked men running through your house and trying on your clothes? <gasps> no! Apparently a normal Tuesday in New Smyrna. Excuse me? Did <laughs> you just make that up? No, it says... It says it... I it would be helpful if I knew where this one took place, but it takes place in New Smyrna. S M Y R N A. Smyrna. Smyrna. Though it was still a shock to 82-year-old Sylvia Gorman, Garman, who found Joseph, and I'm not making this up, oh, his, no. la- <laughs> his last name. Now, I could be mispronouncing it. Uh-huh. Is Vajlika. <gasps> no. That's like a fake name, right? V V A G L I C A. Vajlisa? Oh my god. Okay, Joseph Vajlika was in his birthday suit breaking into her garage. She called uh-huh. 911 and went to her son-in-law's house next door as Vajlika spent the rest of the morning running in and out of Garmin's house, sometimes <gasps> naked and sometimes dressed in her clothing. <laughs> Vajlika then went outside and rolled around on the ground until police arrived. He's definitely drugged out for sure, the for stepson, sure. stepson told 911 operator. An intoxicated Vajlika was hospitalized, <laughs> then arrested and booked in the Volusia County Branch Jail on... Is this tw- real? Like, where are these places? <laughs> I don't know! Is this like a made-up story? It could be, as far as I know. <laughs> He faces charges of burglary with assault and felony. Wow. Mostly, I just wanted to tell you that his name was Joseph (laughs) Vajlika. Yeah, of course you did. Also, could you just imagine, like, if it was, if he, he just, like, ran into this house and, like, just put on a dress and then ran outside and then runs back in and comes out and he's naked and then he runs back in and comes Look, out. Look, I would be pissed if some dude was trying on my clothes, getting his junk all over. Like, no. <laughs> I'd be pissed. Uh, Mr. Vagelica, can you not? <laughs> no. Okay, <laughs> I got this one from Rolling Stone. So you probably read it. Because I, I think it was from. I don't know if I one. read the whole article, but okay. Okay, police in Marion County, Florida, pulled over 26-year-old Patrian Stokes for speeding this summer. After they apparently smelled marijuana, they searched his car, allegedly finding a bunch of drugs, specifically meth, crack, and heroin, and oh, money. God. <laughs> and money. They took him into custody, but when they arrived at the station. The money had vanished. It was a short-lived mystery. Money started falling out his backside <gasps> in in the form of $20 bills. Oh, like he was some sort of gastrointestinal ATM. Oh no! <laughs> According no. to a Facebook post from the Marion County Sheriff's Office, after a necessary but undesirable process for everyone involved, MCSO detention deputies located $1,090 in U.S. <gasps> currency hidden in Stokes' rectum. 
Oh my god. Stokes received one charge for his rectal magic trick as well as a litany of drug charges. <laughs> uh, that's like a lot of money to shove up there. <laughs> In 20s. oh okay i have one for you oh good it says who doesn't like making prank phone calls they are the classics hey your refrigerator's running or hey our company is working on the phone lines please don't pick up the phone when it rings (laughs) of course prank phone calls are one thing and then there are the jerks who take it a whole new level taking out all the fun all the joy and all of the innocence of good old-fashioned prank phone calls and if you're gonna do that if you're gonna be a complete degenerate and call in a bomb threat to an elementary school wouldn't you at least take a few seconds to turn off your caller id oh no not jacob moore in idaho because he's not only a complete moron he is also a a fugitive Moore was already being scoped out by police and investigators for an unrelated crime when he decided the best diversion would be to call in a bomb threat to a local elementary school. (laughs) Assuming police would be forced to tend to the mess, he was planning on escaping unnoticed from his home where police were about to make the arrest. So how did it work out for the criminal mastermind? As well as could be expected. (laughs) School officials were able to simply look at their caller ID and let police know it was Moore who called. Police confirmed the idiot was, in fact, the person behind the mess and made the arrest without incident. And by without incident, we, of course, mean what kind of scumbag calls in a bomb threat to an elementary school. Turning off caller ID is done very easily these days. And anyone who likes making prank phone calls even has technology on their side. Though obviously a bomb threat, don't even think about it. It never works out well. Thankfully, the school was also combed and there were no problems resulting from the incident. A friendly reminder, if you're going to be a goon, at least don't involve children or the word bomb. Do you remember in elementary school when there was a bomb threat? Vaguely. We all had to go to to the other side. No, we had to go to the other side of the blacktop where it like kind of went in that ditch. Elementary school? Yeah, that's not gonna save us from a bomb. <laughs> no, that's where they made us go enough. against the chain link fence in the ditch. Why didn't they make us walk to the church? That's like down a couple blocks. I mean, they probably eventually did, but I just remember being like, "This is not gonna not work." The best they did to jam a bunch of kids up against this fence. <laughs> I will say this. I don't know how many. This is really bad to say, but I don't know how many times I like hoped for. A bomb threat before we had to go to church. <laughs> Maybe we won't have to go. Yeah, or like a bomb falling through the church. That's not good to admit, but well, do you remember I like hated the, church? Do you remember that there was that payphone at school? Like between the cafeteria and gym, there was like a payphone on that yeah, wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. There and was. People would people would always use it to like make prank phone calls and stuff. <gasps> No, who would use it to do that? And I remember one time someone called 911 on it <gasps> to see what would happen. Ooh. I think the police came. <laughs> yeah, they did. <gasps> Hooligans. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Miss payphones. <laughs> so sketchy. Always check them for change. There's usually a nickel. 
<laughs> what are you going to do with all your nickels? Buy a soda pop. Oh, God, that's awful. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, thanks for uh, tuning in for our lucky 13. Number 13. Hope you've and been enjoying it. Also, check out Humblebee Herbal. Humblebeeherbal.com. Look, if you don't get it by now. <laughs> it's like Bumblebee, but yeah. with an H. Yeah, because <gasps> bumblebees are also named humblebees. That's what they were originally called, perhaps. Because they are quite humble, and they all work together, and it's really beautiful. They're just little humble bumbles. And we should all take a page out of their book and work together, make honey together. Rate, review, subscribe. subscribe. Send us an email at criminypodcast at gmail.com. I feel like we um, get this stuff done like every one every like five episodes. <laughs> if same, that oh, even. Yeah. I feel well, like I've said this like two really, times. Really, we're not good at social media things. Mm-mm. We just want to tell each other stories. stories. You know. <laughs> well, it's been fun. Well, it's been fun. <laughs> it's been real. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. Yeah, happy Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway. Goodbye. I will go into a trance state. I've been primed all day. Nanties. <laughs> Crime and hate.